give us on this complicated subject. A personal hero of mine and frequent guest in the program over the years is here to tackle that issue with us. Rabbi Stephen Bars brings with him knowledge, Jewish wisdom, and also a keen understanding of the day-to-day and ability to tie spiritual guidance to these sometimes unlit parts of our lives. Rabbi Bars has spoken all over the world in front of the United States Senate on the stage of the famous Los Angeles Improv. He's a regular speaker at Fortune Magazine summits in different parts of the world. He's authored many books. His book, Win, was actually on the Washington Post bestseller list. Rabbi Bars is known for imparting ideas with creativity and humor. You'll see this, I'm sure, in this program. You should check out his YouTube channel, Rabbi Bars, his name. You can look it up that way. He has a popular book called Bliss, also on this on marriage and parenting. Rabbi Bars and his wife Ruth are blessed with seven children, and I always like to say that that's the most important important part of anyone's anyone's bio. Rabbi Bars, welcome back to Equal Footing. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here, Charles. Great show, fantastic topic. Uh, uh, it's uh, right on subject. This is this is the issue that people are dealing with today. Very good. Yeah, it feels like a major stream of feeling globally, and it, it like feeling rejected causes us to isolate into smaller groups and lose connection with each other. There's been so much sociological and demographic evidence around that. Maybe we'll touch on that in the program, but Rabbi Bars. Sometimes this is one of those subjects that feels like there's no guidance, direct guidance from your rabbi on. <laughs> and and at least referring to the Bible. And I want to know, does anyone get rejected? Is, are, is, are there lessons to turn to biblically to start us off here when it comes to feeling rejected? Yeah, it's one of the most powerful experiences that the Torah talks about um, and very relevant. We're in, we're, we're in, in fact, the, the Torah tells, the rabbis tell us that we're in a 2,000-year-old span of rejection. And um, so it's, it's and I, I think we're really coming to the end of it. We're finally facing this issue. It starts right in Genesis. Is a famous line. It's actually phenomenal. You look at it. I, I recommend everybody look it up. It's chapter three, verse eleven, and and uh, verse ten starts out like Adam hides after he eats from the fruit that he's not supposed to. He hides, and God calls to him and says, "Where are you?" And Adam replies, "I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid." And then God asked this incredible question. Who told you you were naked? Like, like the, the most, it's so astounding a question that Adam can't answer it. Even Rashi, the famous commentator, responds and says, even a blind man knows he's naked. And what kind of question is that? 
And what he's saying to Adam is, you don't want to stand in front of me because you're naked. The trees are naked. The animals are naked. Unless I tell you you're naked, you're worthy of standing in front of, in front of me. I don't reject you because of who you are or what you've done. You can always stand in front of God. But man's perception of it, that I'm rejected, is going to carry us on for the next 5,000 years of trying to feel worthy. We're all trying to feel worthy by wearing clothes, by building big houses and fancy cars to make us feel like we are worthy or we we are good enough. And it's a tough road. Because your mind, unless you accept the fact that your mind, he loves you, whatever. As soon as you have kids, you, know, you understand this. There's nothing your okay, child will so, ever say to you that makes people... Yes, yeah, sorry. So, so Rabbi, the, what a great lesson to start it off, start us off with this I, the idea of, of that we're never... We, we never need to be ashamed in front of God. I love that. The idea of fundamental... Uh, self-worth in the eyes of the Almighty, I think when it, when it gets to people with other people, and the relationship with God, at least for me, it seems to be intuitive. Now, I don't always follow it. I'm not always good at remembering that God loves me no matter what, and in my nakedness, in my worst moments, I'm never rejected by Hashem. I, I may not always carry that, 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 um, reaction each day or that understanding, but I know at a deep level. But then when it comes to you and me, Rabbi, if I invite you to be on the show and talk about this, and you say, uh, thankfully you said yes, but we had others who said, no, I don't really think that's a Jewish topic, and, and even made me feel silly for, for wanting to do a, a Jewish program, so to speak. You know, this program's open to anybody, not just uh, Jewish listeners, not just observant Jewish listeners, of course. But... That I felt silly even for trying to tie rejection into halacha or into Jewish wisdom. I felt rejected. So it's so hard in daily life. And that's obviously, that's a, a really light form of rejection. We get a lot of that you know, all the time on this show. But it's so hard not to feel that in the moment. And does, does, is there any biblical wisdom on that between people, not with our relationship with Hashem, but like you and me, how am I supposed to react as a Jew when you reject me? It's, it's fascinating. It's a great question. It's, 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 you know that the cruelest animal in the world is the raven. The cruelest animal in the world is the raven. The raven has a big spot in, in the Bible. It goes on Noah's Ark. They have a, a funny relationship with the raven. Why is the raven the cruelest animal? So there's a there's a um, a Hobbes Lubavitch, a famous writer. He's been around 1100s. He writes that there's a there's a genus of raven that it abandons its nest after it lays the eggs before they hatch. And how of the is different from a cuckoo. You know, you heard of a cuckoo. The cuckoo lays its eggs in someone else's nest, but the raven doesn't do that. It, it, it has its eggs and it abandons it. How do the chicks survive? So, excuse me, I hope we can say this on air. It poops in the in the nest, and in the poop it has worms. Worms come out. And the eggs 
the birds eat the uh, the, uh, the the worms, and that's how they survive. But because of this rejection by somebody else, in this case a bird, but nevertheless it's in, in it's in, endemic to the human to creation, all of creation. We see this in animals, but when they feel rejection, it's incredibly painful. And our job in life is to teach everybody life is good and, and not to feel rejected. The temple was destroyed because of this. This is where Kamsa was rejected from the party, a famous story. And our job is to make people feel not rejected but accepted. It's a, it's a fascinating thing. Why do we say Kaddish? You, know, you have a child, at the end of your job, they say Kaddish. Because the message is, life is good. That's our job as a parent, to make them feel accepted and fulfilled, and that life is good. So that make, that's clear to me that we should not be in the business of rejecting others. Certainly not for in right. terms of any way that, that right. negates people's worth. That mandate seems clear right. and intuitive. But how are we supposed to react? And maybe we'll, we're going to take our face break, first break in a moment, and we can hit this after the break, Rabbi. But how are we supposed to react in the face of rejection? You, you, you're reaching out. You, let's say you think uh, this is the one for you that you want to that you want to marry, and you're pretty. You're, you feel in your being that it, it's that it's your beshert, and you ask, and she rejects you. The the dream the dream job that you've been looking for your whole life, you feel like you've you've gotten the degrees you need, you've made the contacts you need, and then not only you're rejected, but the person interviewing you tells you that you're not suited for this career. I'm talking holistic rejection, where you feel like years of your life have been um, have been ill spent you feel like someone's negating your worth, your path. How are we supposed to react? I want to, we're going to get back to that after the break, Rabbi. Help us. The, the, the number, we're out of studio this week, so I'm going to give the number to call in. But if you call in, I'm going to ask you be patient, please, because our studio engineer, uh, Dimitri, gets overwhelmed during the show. Please be patient. Stay on hold. We'll get to you. If you're on hold for too long, you can even text the following number. And the follow, well, let me get the call-in number first. It's 718-303-9090. That's 718-303-9090. That's the number to call in live for the program. We are on live. If you want to text or WhatsApp in a question or comment to Rabbi Bars or myself or our guest after the break and add someone to the discussion, you can text or WhatsApp don't call this number. This is just for sending in something written, question, or comment, 917-428-4062. That's for texting or WhatsApping in a question or comment on the subject of rejection, 917-428-4062. And that's num- that number also, if you're on hold for a long time, when you call in, you can also send a text to that number, and we'll try to uh, pick you up. Just please be patient if you call in. We'll be right back on equal footing with acclaimed author and life coach, Rabbi Stephen Bars. So, 
Musical Footing has been brought to you uh, by for some time by Mechanical Art Capital. Mechanical Art Capital is a company that provides financing, easy, overnight financing, to watch dealers and watch collectors. You do not even have to sell your watches. Through Mechanical Art Capital's buyback contracts, you can get short-term financing. It's halachically sound. They've been active in the community for some time, and it's easy and reasonable cost of capital. Mechanical Art Capital. You can go to their website, mechanicalartcapital.com. You can also go to your smartphone, your iPhone, or your Android device. Go to the App Store and write in the three words separated, Mechanical Art Capital. You can then quickly upload photos of your watches. You get an appraisal within hours, and you can get financing as early as the next day. These are financing lines up to $500,000. Very valuable for watch dealers and, of course, smaller amounts for watch collectors. I'm going to give out their number again. This is for Mechanical Art Capital's buyback program for watch financing for timepieces. The number to call is 833-209-0972. If you prefer to do it by phone, that's 833-209-0972. Okay, Rabbi Bars, you got a little bit of time to think on that tough question. What does Jewish wisdom tell us in terms of how we should react when we are fundamentally rejected by another person? So this is a great question. First of all, King Solomon said, don't get yourself in that position. Better off to sit at the back of the room and be called up than to be called up and told to go sit in the back of the room, which is great advice, meaning we we tend to misunderstand or misplace our own self-assessment, and it's better off to to squirrel yourself away and wait till they call you up. Steve Martin had a similar idea. He said, how do you become so successful? Become so good that they cannot ignore you. There's a, a, I talk about my book, Win, Dave Ransfeld, who, who took the English cycling team to win the Tour de France. The English had never won the Tour de France in its entire history. He took over and he said, we're going to win in three, it's, it's, I think he said five years, they won in three years, and they won many times since. And how did he do it? By becoming 1% better, or continuously 1% better. Take everything you do and just make it a little bit better, a little bit better. And those incremental gains will give you the success. That's one one concept. The other concept is that if you real if you have real uh, a sense of of being loved, and we see this with children, little children, the more love you show on your, on your children, they feel it, the less the impact of other people will will have on them. Or the more so, if we really felt how much the Almighty loves us. My teacher, Rav Nachman, used to say, more than you love your children, the Almighty loves you. And you, when you touch that, when you get in, ta- in, ta- in touch with that, you, you're, not, you're unstoppable. Yeah. As, as King David said, David uh, the for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but God gathers me in. Like the concept that uh, you know you're loved no matter what, even if you're feeling rejection in that moment. Yeah, that's right. 
And I want to invite in. I know, Rabbi, you have a, a background as well in uh, in in psychology, and you do your life coaching work. And I want to invite, as we had the last couple of weeks under the program, our wonderful producer, Leah Mazniku. And Leah is a psychotherapist, works on relationship issues a lot, and the issue of rejection, as I understand it, Leah, comes up a lot in your practice. And I, I, the rabbi is touching on, it, which I think is really interesting, the good that can come from rejection, kind of the, the motivating you to do better. I'm kind of putting, putting, simplifying his message there. But there is essentially there's a common idiomatic expression that, like, rejection is just redirection. And I understand that, that in the psychotherapeutic realm, there are, there are actually kind of scientific benefits, as it were, from, from rejection. Am I right? Um, and you stole my thunder. That's my favorite catchphrase. Rejection is redirection. Um, there is, there is, there are benefits to rejection, um, and it actually can lead to a good thing. Either because a, you do not yet deserve what you are either applying for or um, die, like vying for, or because the thing that you want, your object of desire. Uh, does not deserve you. So I, my personal belief and in my practice, I use rejection as a sort of trampoline to, to catapult you into a new phase in your life, be it professionally or personally, and to learn to not take rejection person, um, so personally. And it's interesting, um, because the feeling of rejection is the same as physical pain in our brains. So our brains understand rejection and physical pain uh, the same way. And evolutionarily that has been true because um, the, 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 the complex emotions that arise from rejection and physical pain have just um, evolutionarily stepped into the same area of the brain. So it's important to understand that it's not something to um, brush off lightly, but it's 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 real, and you can use it to enter a new phase of your life if you look at it from a more a more objective lens. Well, now you stole my thunder because I was actually going to, to quote some some recent uh, studies. Uh, the, the psychologist Nathan DeWall at the University of Kentucky and others that, that published. A, um, a significant piece uh, about 10 years ago that tied in, as you were saying, that in neuroscientifically, physical pain and rejection. Now, the part that I found most interesting, and I want to put this to both, uh, both of you, Rabbi Bars and, and Leah, is that it protects you. So in the same way as you evolutionarily and as, as you grow as a child, imagine like, you know, you put your hand in the fire that first time, it hurts like heck you know you have to do it again, right? So that's, that's pain protecting you. And in a sense, rejection protects you. In fact, let me see if I can find it in my uh, show notes. So Mark Leary, another psychologist who's written a lot on this subject, says the negative emotions around rejection are a warning that something or someone that is rejecting you may actually be damaging to your well-being. And I think that's, a, for me, that was an aha moment in preparing for the show because we think of rejection as negating our self-worth. But in fact, maybe rejection is actually not negating our self-worth. It is protecting us up from things or situations or other people 
that would not be good for us. And so it's kind of protecting our being. I never thought of it this way. I don't know, Rabbi, if that if that comports with uh, Talmudic wisdom or uh, or Torah. Uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't like it a lot. Um, you know, the, the, the gap between a 5-year-old and a 55-year-old is the 5-year-old is open and life is good and they're not afraid of anything. And the 55-year-old is jaded and cautious and uh, reluctant to enter in relation because they don't want to get hurt. And um, you, know, you can't have one without the other. If you're going to go through, if you're going to be, um, have that attitude, you lose the life. You can't, you can't have that motivation, that, that openness and the excitement of life and also feel that life is dangerous. They don't go hand in hand. Sorry. <laughs> okay. That's, I love that. I understand. So you're disagreeing. You're saying that you shouldn't, in a certain sense, you shouldn't welcome Rejection? Or are you saying it isn't? It isn't a healthy aspect, or you should stay away from it. What's the method? Then? To learn from to learn from rejection, that I've now got to be careful from people like this is the wrong is the wrong response. What you should do is learn from this. But I don't have enough sense that God loves me. If I felt that God loves me, yeah, it, it, well, my teacher again used to say like this: If someone came up to you and said you're an idiot. It might have an impact, but if he came up to you and said, you know, you've got a power on your shoulder, and it's an ugly power on top of it, you think he's a, he's a crazy person. So the more self-esteem that we have in ourselves, the less anyone's rejection of us has any meaning. It only has meaning because we don't know who we are. We don't feel good about ourselves. I see. It's so like, the, know, the that, part that I struggle with, the part that I struggle with with that, Rabbi, is that would imply that rejection is not really a teacher, that, you know, you, you stay so rooted in your own self-worth that you just let it roll off your back. And I'm not sure that's... No, what do no, you think? no. I think rejection is a great teacher if you're conscious to see the benefits of it in your life, which is difficult because it implies a removal of your emotional brain uh, into your objective brain. And that's if, if you take rejection so personally, it's difficult to do. But it's one of the biggest teachers in your life because to, to, to have a silly anecdote, you can be the juiciest peach in the world and there's going to be someone that just doesn't like peaches. And that's that's okay, and you can be the most efficient at your job, and there's going to be someone that's going to be better or more well-equipped. But if you don't take that as a learning lesson, then you never improve. And evolutionarily, if you don't improve and constantly work uh, at yourself or for yourself, you just you disappear. That's a fantastic parable. I love that, the peach of Leo. <laughs> Way to go. You know, it reminds me from a business perspective, there's a, a one of the best business books. I've, I've plugged it on the show before. It's, it's I think, written in the 1950s uh, by Og Mandino, M-A-N-D-I-N-O, and it's called The Greatest Salesman in the World. And it's, it's, you, could, you can read it very quickly. It feels almost like a run-on sentence. But the takeaway lesson as an entrepreneur 
which I've been a, a lot of my adult life, has been that you, uh, well, I'll, I'll actually say it without, without editorializing. He says, yes is your beloved. You are married to yes. You live for yes. You worship yes. But no, being rejected, is your mistress. Remember, this is written in the 1950s. Is your mistress. You need no sometimes. No serves a purpose in your life. You also love no. And it's maybe, he goes on to say, that maybe what kills you. But the concept, I think, often is, for me as, as an entrepreneur in life, has been I seek out rejection sometimes. I lean into rejection because, and I apologize, by the way, to anybody's sensibility being offended because it's obviously that book was written in a different time. But you get the point that there's a value in rejection because rejection, if you don't, if you don't go out and try enough, then you don't get to the great yes. You don't get that amazing client. You don't get that great house that you always wanted to live. You don't have that amazing relationship breakthrough if you're not willing to take the risk to be rejected. That, that's, that's my, like, uh, <laughs> uh, Neanderthal yeah, business brain way of looking at it. Yes, that's your, that's that's your little lizard man brain. <laughs> but at the same time, I think it's very important to also uh, state that even though if you don't try, you're never going to know, you're never going to succeed, and I completely understand that mindset. I think it's also important to state that you need to have the tools in order to um, process rejection in a healthy way, and that can also be successful. Successful, pardon me. Um, just the, the, the whole process of using the rejection as a redirection towards a new new phase in your life is powerful in itself. All right, we're gonna we're gonna take our next break. Uh, we're gonna this is gonna get a little tougher, guys, <laughs> because. We're, we're, we're kind of, I feel, I, I'm not saying we're glossing things over, but we're, we're speaking in a very, in a, in a kind of positive and upbeat way about, oh, you, you know, rejection, I, I was part of this discussion. Rejection has, this, has a positive role. We should always remember that we're never rejected by Hashem, by God. But rejection is a big part of our social and demographic fabric right now in the United States, in the West, in the world in general, and it's tearing us apart. I want to get into some of that after the break. We'll be right back on Equal Footing. We're joined by Rabbi Rabbi Stephen Bars, the wonderful author and life coach and educator. Leah Matniku, who's our great producer and a psychotherapist that works on relationship issues. We'll be right back on Equal Footing. Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skincare. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. 
And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. Rabbi Barth, before the break, I, I teased at this issue, but I'm going to kind of get a little somber for a moment. There's a wonderful article that is actually one of the inspirations for this show that uh, came out a few days ago in The Atlantic by one of my favorite political and social commentators, David Brooks. The article is called How America Got Mean, and I definitely recommend it to, to listeners. And he runs through a lot of stats. I'm going to mention just a couple. Regular listeners of this show know know that Joan Didion, notwithstanding, I love statistics. Uh, Since 1990, these are stats about the United States. Since 1990, the percentage of people who say they don't have any close friends in life, any close friends in life has gone up by four times, 400%. Nearly one in three people say they have no close friends in life. This, the share of Americans who are aged 25 to 54 who have never been married or living with a, or ever lived with a romantic partner went up to 38% in 2019. It was half that number as recently as 1990. Very, less people are getting married. Here's the one that blew me away. In in the last two decades, sorry, the percentage of people who say they have persistent feelings of sadness, hopelessness, and loneliness went up from about 25%, which is also already a very high number, to 44% in 2021. People are feeling more isolated, more tribal. I'm a southerner. I am black. I'm a Jew. I'm a Bostonian, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, I'm pro-gun, I'm anti-abortion, whatever. It's like we identify as as part of a limited tribe and we reject others as us versus them. David Brooks goes on to say, Rabbi, that this is the real pandemic, is this feeling of isolation and rejection of each other. What, how do we fix this? What's, what's the, how do we get out of this vicious cycle of pushing others away and, re, and kind of retreating to smaller and smaller, and smaller circles? Yeah, and this is, this is serious stuff. We're, we're going off the edge of the cliff here. You see, as more and more people don't feel good about themselves, they don't feel connected, they don't have a good out view, out, outlook on life, so they're becoming more tribal because they need something to attach to. They accept them, and it's just it's just getting worse and worse. The fundamentals are family. The breakup of the family has been devastating and a, a cause of all these issues. Religion, taking religion out of schools, was also a tremendous mistake. People don't have a connection. You can't replace a sense of the love of God with anything else. But you take those two things out, the love of God and then stable families, you're in for a lot of trouble. How do you fix it? 
<laughs> go back to those things. Put religion, put religion back in, prayer back into schools. Uh, I think a reckoning is going, is coming, but we're going to realize that this social experiment that we did of trying to remove religion from the public space has been a disaster. To some extent, David Brooks agrees with you. Yeah. He doesn't just talk about religion, but talks about moral formation in general and our need to, through religion and education right. and the workplace and community organizations, foster more connectedness. Uh, Leah, one of the things that come, that, that, uh, David Brooks' article also addresses is this, what he calls a, a pandemic as well of vulnerable narcissism. Mm -hmm. And I found that fascinating and also disturbing. And as I was reading it, I was wondering, am I a vulnerable narcissist? And what he says, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to butcher this. You're going to help me out with the, what it is diagnostically. But he says, you know, we think of narcissism, classical narcissism, as someone who's like at the, you know, thinks they're the center of the world, like the the mirror hog, and you know, the, someone who's um who's kind of, as they say in Spanish, uh, prepotente, like all you know, thinking about themselves all the time. You know, there are some that say that some of their leaders <laughs> politically are like this. But what David Brooks says is that the more insidious aspect around this is is vulnerable vulnerable narcissism narcissism narcissism. Pardon me, the person who is placing or thinking about themselves, but in the sense that their self-worth is deposited in the view of others. And so they're constantly measuring themselves by what others think and need validation all the time. Now, if you combine vulnerable narcissism with the type of rejection and isolation socially they were just talking about, you have massive incidents of depression and sadness and suicide and so forth. So... Yeah, what, yeah, yeah, right, the hate not, uh, transformed and transferred. It's quite interesting and complex to think about, uh, a vulnerable narcissist because they share some of the main, um, characteristics of people with narcissistic personality disorder, but with an added, um, fear of rejection. I mean, they, they have a grandiose sense of self. And they're extremely afraid of rejection, so it's uh, it's complicated to interact. Um, think of people pleasers in your life, and to some extent, I believe uh, we all are people pleasers in one way or another. So think of a vulnerable narcissist as an inherent people pleaser who believes the world revolves around them, but at the same time puts their self-worth in other people's, uh, projects their self-worth into other people's approval and acceptance. And that's a, a recipe for disaster if not handled properly, and I believe we're going into a pandemic of more and more vulnerable narcissists. Um, so the, the, this idea of rejection is, uh, is becoming more and more important, or how to deal with rejection, anyway. Rabbi, would that mean that we should simply forget about how others see us? Is that, does that comport with is that a Jewish, Jewish value? Yeah, is that a Jewish value? Um, that's an interesting question. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm stuck for words. There, there, there's obviously a place where we have to be conscious of how people are viewing us, but um, 
it's not the main focus. It can't be the main focus. Sometimes, sometimes being the most um, uh, you know, standing out there is the thing that is is necessary. And sometimes you've got to meld into the background. It's a, I don't have a standard answer that would fit all situations. I'm sorry. Great question. Yeah, it's it's such a tough balancing act, isn't it, Rabbi? It's like, it, in one sense, we're like you let off the program with with Hashem saying to, to Adam that you you know who told you you are naked that you you know that, that you're never naked in front of God that you're always accepted and and yet this um, we can seek out acceptance too much when it comes to the day to day acceptance from each other which is clearly not healthy as well. And um, I'm wondering, it's complicated because we as humans function in societies, and if we're not accepted by society, that can lead to feelings of depression and anxiety and low self-worth. And by the same token, we can't project our self-worth into society and base it off of of its approval of us. So it's a tough balancing act. Right, right, right. You know, I was looking at the etymology, guys, of of the word rejection, and it it really is like a a redirection. It is that because it's 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 a reaction, effectively. So it's you present an idea, and the idea is refused. You present an action, and the action is directed somewhere else. And I think I'm going to put this out there as my own, you know, penny philosophy. But it, I think, if we detach, as you said earlier, Leah, the rejection from the from our worth, from our person, and see it in the realm of ideas, then the rejection can be good. It can help us do better. It can teach us patience. It can cause us to step back and give ourselves some self care, or you know, or, or or meditate or whatever, but it's when we attach it to our being, and no one, Rabbi, I think I'm on. I think I'm on point by saying this in terms of what Jewish wisdom teaches us is that no one has the ability to impugn our self worth. We're intrinsically worthy. Yeah, that's something right, that's right, easy right. to say and not so easy to feel. Uh, and that's the that's the beauty of these conversations to me is if when when I hear that said out loud, it, it's a reminder for me to feel it, and I feel like it's a commandment from the universe <laughs> is to be more spiritual. Right, that's a great point, Leah. Very good. Right, we we have to use it as a stimulus to connect with the, whatever you're going to call it, but connect with your mind. And that's, that's a phenomenal point. If you, Anyone who doesn't believe in God is going to struggle with a need, a sense of self-worth because there's nothing, there's nothing, if there's nothing there, there's nothing to say you're more worthy than anybody else. So where does your self-worth come from? Yeah. Such a complicated thing. You know, before we take our last break, I just want to put out there, and we have a couple of good listener comments and questions I want to get to after the break, but we talked more about being the, the receiver of rejection, and we talk, we haven't talked much about this on this program about rejecting others. The rabbi earlier in the program, you said we should seek not to reject others, but I think 
it's, I, I feel like saying to the people that I've rejected in my life, and I've certainly had my as you know, share of rejecting you know, business investments, rejecting, unfortunately, people in, in, in even my family that I felt were not on a healthy path or rejecting people in relationship settings, some of those things I'd do, do very differently if I had it to do over again. But what I would say, looking back, is that you can love, you can really love someone and reject an aspect of what they're doing at the same time or reject a way of that, that maybe they want to be with you at the same time while expressing that you care about them and you love them. And maybe love is a strong word if it's not a relationship setting. But that, that dance of when we're on the other side, because we have to look at this from both sides, we're the rejected and the rejecter. And if we look at it that way of we are pushing back on an idea or a behavior or a relationship, but doing so in a way that honors the person, that's, that's a very difficult thing to do and I think vital. Anyway, we'll be right back. Get off my soapbox. We'll be right back on Equal Footing with Rabbi Stephen Bars and wonderful commentary from our producer and psychologist, Leah Matniku. We'll be right back. I'm going to tie in tonight's topic of rejection into what Manhattan Medical does. They've been a sponsor, wonderful sponsor in this program and on this network for some time. Manhattan Medical works with erectile dysfunction. It is not something to be embarrassed about. It is not you rejecting someone else if you suffer from erectile dysfunction. Erectile dysfunction is extremely common. It affects two-thirds of men in their lifetime. You should not be ashamed about it. There are solutions out there. Manhattan Medical can help. You don't have to be in Manhattan or in the New York area. Anywhere in the United States, you can get a free teleconsult on Manhattan Medical's Gaines Wave Therapy for ED. Gaines Wave is relatively new in the United States, but it's been around in Europe and more recently in Canada for many years, helping, helping patients achieve excellent results. It is non-invasive, it's surgery-free, it's painless, and the remedy is enduring. You don't have to keep going back. It does not involve expensive blue pills, which many people cannot take because of comorbidities. There are no side effects, and for over 90% of patients, there are wonderful, enduring results. Check it out, Manhattan Medical Gains Wave Therapy for Erectile Dysfunction. I'm going to give out the number, and then I'm going to tell you how to get a free consult. The number for Manhattan Medical's ED Cure is 888-ED-CURE-9. That's 888-ED-CURE-9. I'll give it out in numbers in a minute. But if you call Manhattan Medical about their Gainsway therapy for ED, you get a free consultation. That's a $250 value you can get on the phone or in person from anywhere from in the United States, well, outside of the New York area, by phone. You have to mention you heard about it on the Equal Footing radio program. Again, that's a $250 value. Call Manhattan Medical and mention that you heard about their ED therapy on Equal Footing. The number one more time, 888-332-8739. And numbers, once more, 888-332-8739. I've been caught.
right, a couple rapid-fire rapid listener uh, questions directed at you. You ready? <laughs> Ilda. Okay, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Yes, yeah, so Hilda, Ilda, I'm not sure how to pronounce this correctly, um, says that earlier in the program we mentioned being rejected by your children. That is the most painful form of rejection. It never ends, it seems, in my life. I feel like I mean nothing to them at this point. We've made totally different choices. Help me. What do you say to Ilda? Oh, uh, yes. I feel, I feel for her. That is very difficult. I, um, she really has to. She really has. It's, there's really two things that are going on here. I don't know the situation. I don't know what's going on. A person really needs to think about and look at what they did with their children. There's some sort of trauma going on with the child. If you approach it in a healthy way, and I've seen this, if you approach it in a healthy way, you can repair the relationship because the child needs that that connection and they miss it. But if you don't do some self-examination, and it's very tough because parents are very biased. Every parent thinks they're perfect. I'm, I'm included in that. And, uh, and so it's very hard to see where you messed up. But there's something going on with the child you need to understand. Do you need a really good friend or Leia? I, I don't know if, you, if you're taking new clients. Um, you, you know, get a really good therapist who can help you. Um, unravel that mess. Yeah, my heart goes out to you, Ilda, because I think that we t we talk a lot about this program about the feeling of being judged uh, and by parents. It comes up a lot in this program, but it's the other way. It, it, to me, that feels even more intractable and sad. Um, so that's a, it's all it's especially important to while listening to the message from your from your kids to hold your your self-worth so another tough one rabbi this is daniel in manhattan uh who says uh let's be honest traditional judaism is in fact full of rejection we have namely 613 opportunities for rejection nearly every day of the week <laughs> Uh, he's referring um, to uh, to the the mandates, both negative and positive, that that permeate the the Jewish faith. Um, so, why can we talk about rejection in this context and this show in this airy fairy type of way? Let's face the truth: Judaism is highly judgmental, with rejection at its core. I, I, I don't. I don't know what, what which Judaism is talking about, but that's just not the case. The 613 mitzvahs is referring to uh, uh, opportunities. They're not uh, rejection. It, it, I, I give you a, a, a very interesting thing. If there's a mitzvah in the Torah, I don't want to touch on anybody's toes. Uh, we're open society, and we love everybody. There's a mitzvah in the Torah that says you shouldn't be a homosexual. There's a mitzvah in the Torah. There's another mitzvah in the Torah that says you shouldn't have homosexual relations with your father 
I, I hope I'm not crimping anyone's style here, but that's a separate mitzvah. You're not allowed to have homosexual relations with your father. Now, I don't know about you, but I can tell you the thought of having homosexual relations with my father is not is not something that I get tempted with every day of the week. So the rabbis ask, who gets that mitzvah? The homosexual. The homosexual has a mitzvah. It's not all or nothing. Your mighty loves you. Wherever you are, wherever place you are, however, whatever you know, road you've taken, there's, there's always a meaningful expression to your life. You can always do wonderful things. You can grow and find love and truth and, and the relationship with God. God, that's what God said to Adam. I don't reject you. No matter what you do, there's nothing. If you have kids, you understand this. There's nothing your kids can ever do that make you say, I don't want anything to do with you. Like Hilda's question is only that way. I never got the question, my mother doesn't talk to me. I, I never got that question. Because the, 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 the Father in heaven always wants a relationship with you. And, and to answer the other question, you know, rejecting other people, she's a two-edged sword. If you want God to, if you want to believe that God loves you, you have to believe God loves the guy next to you. So mm-hmm. if you're rejecting him because his nose is too short or his hair is not the right color or whatever else is going on in his life or he's got too many earrings, then you're making a judgment about them. And that is going to impede your ability to feel that God loves you. If you think and Rabbi, these things make, Rabbi, yeah. Yes, sorry. I also want to just I want to move on to the next question. I also want to try and emphasize in response to Daniel that the 613 kind of guiding elements he's referring to, uh, it, it, nowhere are those hours to decide if someone else has, a, you know, done them or not done them. Those are intrinsically our own choices and our relationship with Hashem. And you led the program with the beautiful message of that Hashem is never rejecting us, and you've repeated that here. So I, I'm I'm not a rabbi, and I don't I don't I don't have the same erudition. But I would just say, based on years of doing this program, that it's Daniel, with all due respect, that's that's wrongheaded. It's not actually about rejection or judgment. In fact, the guideposts are just those. They're just that. They're guideposts that allow you to become closer. To, to Hashem. So it's not, uh, it's certainly not an encouragement to judge others. I want to move on to the, the exactly. first of all, Rabbi, do I get a thumbs up on that one? I'm trying, I'm, try, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to be a rabbi. Fantastic. On TV. I'm becoming <laughs> redundant. I love it. <laughs> Time to retire. It comes from your teaching and the program. Devorah in Brooklyn um, writes on something that, that actually we wanted to touch on in the program. Um, from a psychological perspective, and it's persistent rejection. Um, she says that some of the messages on this program are easier easier to hear as it relates to maybe the interaction with one person or one job or one relationship. But when I feel like I've been rejected again and again throughout my adult life for the same thing, it's hard not to internalize it. And uh, there was some pre pre-show reading that you encouraged me to do that had to do about this, this kind of almost like you reject, you, you can develop psychologically, unfortunately, kind of a rejection reflex 
where you start to see it everywhere, and it becomes kind of a a, a, a neuro a, a neural pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you say to Devorah around this feeling of persistent rejection? Uh, Devorah, I would say that be aware of the self fulfilling prophecy. There's a thing in psychology called exactly that, and it talks about how we see what we want to see, and if you have this. Uh, belief about yourself, you will find proof in order to validate this idea. So believe you're worth it and um, take rejection as a redirection and fulfill only the good prophecies in your life. So I, I, I'm going I'm to go to one last listener question or, 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 or comment. This is just more of a comment, um, and this is from uh, Ricardo in Texas. Um, and, and he writes, if rejection triggers a chance for the positive, then it can be a learning experience. But when rejection is systemic and is based on your color, your religion, your sexual preference, your age, then it just hurts, and it invites retaliation and many other destructive things. I agree. I, I... Yeah, sometimes rejection sucks, and sometimes it's not for the right reasons, and sometimes it, it sometimes you should take it personally. And I always struggle with this idea of being or feeling self-righteous when there's when I know that something is unjust or wrong or immoral, not in everyone's um, say moral value, but I really struggle with it. And I want to just emphasize how difficult that part is, and it's it's all part of the human nature and the struggle in order to just accept everyone as they are. This is tough stuff. Rabbi, you have 30 seconds to leave us with a nugget of wisdom on this, such a, this complicated subject of rejection. I, I would dovetail with what Leah was saying, is that if you find that you're constantly getting rejected for the same thing, it's a good sign you're on the right path. We all have a mission in life, uh, whether it's an Einstein or Beethoven, or whatever it happens to be, in perfection. And each, each, each cut, each take is going to make you a little bit better. You're just meeting higher quality people who are telling you you can be a little bit better. Don't take it as a negative. Take it as the mighty loves you. He's on your side. And he's giving you a, a nudge to improve just a little bit more. There's greatness in front of you. Keep going. Indeed, lean on your support system, the people you love, know your intrinsic worth. Thank you, Rabbi Bars. Thank you, Leah. We'll catch you next week. Thank you. Thank you. Good job, everyone. Good job, good job.